Kevin Davis, younger viewers will have to go into the Pathé News archives to see when you burst on the scene as a, a young lad playing for Chesterfield in an astonishing FA Cup run in 1997. What do you remember about that? It's the first time I became aware of your existence. Um, well, I mean, that, the actual day of the semi-final, which was a, an amazing occasion for us, but obviously... You were in the third division at the time. Yeah, yeah, we, we, had a, we had a good squad. We had a good manager in John Duncan. We had a, a fantastic team. I think we got promotion from the old League 4 to League 3 a year or two before. Um, so we had a good squad of players and we just went on this unbelievable run. Um, obviously beating Bolton away and they were flying in the, in the, the championship. And, and, uh, you scored a hat-trick, did you? Yeah, scored a hat-trick in that one. Um, we had Nottingham Forest, which was a bit of a, a derby game for us. And then a quarter-final I was suspended for because I'd been involved in a, a scuffle the, the week before. Um, so it was just an amazing run. And then to, to get to the semi-final, Old Trafford against Middlesbrough, you know, the likes of Ravinelli and Emerson and Janino, players like that. Walking out for Chester, you know, we were used to playing in front of three or four or five thousand fans and then walking out Old Trafford, seeing the half blue, half red, it was an amazing day. Going 2-0 up, it was kind of dream world really. And then it just unfolded, they came back into it, we had a goal that should have been given. Um, let's, let's not beat around the bush, you were robbed. Yeah, we were, yeah. I think if you look back, if you had the technology of, of today, with the, even with the referees on the, on the microphones talking to each other, they, cause I think the linesman actually signalled the goal. It was clearly over the line, it must have been two or three yards over the line, but for some reason David Ellery, the confusion afterwards, he gave a free kick against Andy Morris and then the goal was never given, but I think at 3-1, that was sort of the last 10-12 minutes, we'd have, I think we'd have certainly gone on to, to go through against 10 men, but it ended up uh, late, they, I mean they went 3-2 up in extra time and then we got that late equaliser, it was 3-3, it was just an amazing day, draining, seeing John Duncan at the end with his glasses falling off, it was... Uh, it was an amazing day. We knew probably that was our best chance to get through in the replay. They, they won comfortably, but it was a, a, good, a, good, a good run and good memories. But you do look back and think we, we could have been in that final. It would have been amazing. Um, any bitterness over it? No, not really. Not really. I think... Because um, it would have been an amazing It story. would have been, yeah. But these things happen in football. You have to live with it. And uh, I've had a few close calls since then. But, I mean... In the heat of the game, I, I was any young, so you're 19, 20 years old, you don't, you get caught up in the game, you don't actually know what's going on and it's such a, a huge game for everyone involved. I think if, if someone might have got older, the referee and said, go and talk to the linesman or something, it was, it, was just, it was just so hectic and I just think you had a chance to breathe in that game. So um, things could have been done, done differently and I say we'd, if we'd have had that technology, we'd have certainly been in the final, but it was a, it was a good run. It helped some of us to go on and, and play at a better level. I got a good move to Southampton after that. Uh, but it still hurts with the Chesterfield, uh, the fans and stuff, it still hurts, but um, these, these things happen. My memory of you playing at that time was of a, quite a speedy, uh, and you were a midfielder as well, is that correct? Yeah, well I... Um, not, I not the Kevin Davis we know um, today. I, until I was 16, until I signed for, for Chesterfield, I was always a central midfielder and um, grew up in playing central midfield all my, all my, my, my youth career really, uh, for Sheffield boys, uh, representing Sheffield United and, and things like that, I was always playing central midfield and it's not until I signed for Chesterfield and there was a few games this season, John Duncan, I think one of the strikers came off injured and he said right you're going on and he just threw me on up front and um, I, I enjoyed playing up front, um, I actually hit the crossbar and I thought I scored a goal in that game as well which wasn't given. Uh, but um, yeah, I was, it just went from there really. And I was just always, you know, I think I was always being quite attack-minded, but I always enjoyed the midfield, the battles in there as well, which um, has been a big part of my game probably over the last 20-odd years, yeah. 
And you were released by Sheffield United. Did, did that hurt or was that a big problem for you? No, I think actually probably it was one of those blessing in disguise moments, I think. Um, I, I was born literally up, up the road from there, a mile up from Bramall Lane. So we used to, we grew up on a big housing estate there, um, one of six. I was born in one of the flats just up the road from there. So as I grew up, we used to walk down my older brother who was 10 years older than me, you know, soaking all the atmospheres and go to the games on the cop singing and stuff. So at the age of sort of 11, 12, I think in senior school, they had the School of Excellence there, which it's different to the way it's run now, but I think it's actually a better system than what, we, what we've got now. But um, I said I had two or three years there. Got to the age of 15 and as you know, you start changing and growing. There was a lot of, uh, I think Sheffield United were in the, in, in the top league, the Premier League back then, I think it was. Um, There's a lot of players coming in, a lot of competition. And I was always like the golden boy who was kept behind and so said, you'll be getting a, a YTS and things. But I had half a bad season. Uh, I think I was going through puberty and things like that. I didn't perform to my best. And before you know it, you're, you're out the door. And that's sort of the first real lesson in football, how ruthless it was. But I it didn't, uh, it, it didn't, I didn't get down and out about it. Um, I was disappointed, upset, obviously, but I'm thankful I had an older brother who was uh, a, a big Sheffield United fan. And I remember them telling me the reasons why, you know, I wasn't getting one. And I just went, I literally went um, and worked in the park on my fitness, on my speed. And I spent so many hours. My brother was pushing me in races and hill runs and things like that. And I got the opportunity uh, with Chesterfield and within a, a few months I was playing in the first team. So. It's, it's one of those things that I think um, I've had a few of those points over my career. If you look at Southampton and, and Blackburn and, and Bolton, where you, you you kind of pushed out the door, you're not wanted, um, the rejection. I think that was my first sample, and I think it's like I said, I think it was a blessing in disguise, really. And for a kid that age, who you know, starting to think about girls, booze, that kind of stuff, going out. To go to the park and, and train on your own and with your brother like that, it shows remarkable sort of self-discipline and determination in one so young, you know. Found a way to Nick Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But, you know, we were, we were uh, you know, we were, we were always a hard-working family. Presumably you were still in school at the time. Yeah, you? yeah. And I can't remember the exact moments, obviously. I was always had the dream of be, becoming a, a professional footballer and, and playing for Sheffield United. Um, always, uh, even in the Sunday leagues and stuff, um, could have had the opportunity. I played for a team called Brunsmere Athletic, and uh, from sort of the age of eight, and I always had the opportunity to go and play for the, the young gals or the junior blades. And I stuck with my manager because he looked after me. We weren't a particularly wealthy family; we, we were quite a poor family, and he used to always sort of provide me a bit of kit and a tracksuit and a few uh, gifts at Christmas. And I used to always go and work on his stall on a Saturday. He had a butcher's. Uh, as a, a return, I used to work on there for five, six hours, you know, it wasn't nice. Um, but we, I was always hard working and I think um, I had every job going, paper rounds at six in the morning, you know, working in the butchers, working in the pizzeria, pot washing, um, I used to do XL Avon, I was full on. Um, but football was just something we used to do, you know, wake up in the morning, um, dribbling the ball to school, playing at school, and we used to have this flood, uh, floodlit pitch down from the flats where we grew up and the, and the lights used to go off at eight, nine o'clock and we used to play till 10 in the dark and stuff. It was, it was just something I did. I was always playing against my older brother's friends who were sort of 10 years older than me. So I was, you know, thrown in there with him and it was kind of, you know, getting bashed about a bit, but I think that really toughened me up and I was left there crying quite a, f a few times. My brother always pushed me back in there. So I was, I was always hard working as a kid. And um, like I say, it would have been easy to, to give up 
when Sheffield United came, it was tough to take, but it made me want it even more, I think. And um, like I say, it worked out for me in the end, I think. And you were in the Chesterfield first team as a 16-year-old. Yeah. What's it like in such a like manly environment as basically a child? Well, I think that, that upbringing with my brother, I think that put me in good stead, really. Um, I was tough and um, I had no fear. Uh, you know, growing up from five, six, seven, eight years old, we were, we were out there playing. I remember being in goal once and my brother smacked a ball and it broke my wrist and he was like trying to put it back in place and trying to play on. It was like, OK, OK. Uh, but I was, I was tough and uh, from that environment, really. Um, so I didn't have a problem with it. I, was, I went in as YTS. Um, Obviously, the first year, we, there was seven or eight of us and there were seven or eight of the second years. Again, you know, they kind of comfort. After a few days, you can feel the second year sort of see you as a bit of a, of a threat. And um, I, I didn't mind that at all. I never had any fear. I wasn't scared of anyone. Um, I remember just hoovering the corridor as part of my job was on the match day. And one of the, the staff came and said, get down there. And I remember walking down to the dressing room and he said, you're on the bench. And a few of the older pros, like Sean Dyche, people saying, oh, you, you're petrified. I said, no, no, get me on there. I want to play, you know. Wasn't scared at all. Just sat there and got my chance in that game, and uh, never looked back really. Yeah. And apart from the physical aspect, like you know, you're in this dressing room with these guys. You're 16 years old. It's the filthy jokes, presumably. They're talking about what they got up yeah. to at the weekend and all. That. Do, you, do you feel at home in that environment when you're that age, or is it a bit like I don't know about this? Um, well, I think. I mean, we we never were allowed to swear or do anything like that. I was brought up in the right way. I, I was. I did it once in front of my mother, and I I got. A, a good slap for it. Um, so I was always, in terms of language and things, very careful about that kind of stuff. But as soon as you're in that environment, you become part of it. And I think the the, the youth team coach, the manager, uh, the players, they, they tested me. I mean, I remember some of those first sessions and I was, you know, I just wasn't intimidated by them. And uh, I remember, like saying, Sean Dyche playing there and there's a guy called Tony uh, O'Brien and I remember just training on the pitch when I was only 16 and nutmegging someone and going around and putting a cross in and they were like, the next tackle would be, would be put on me. But I, you know, I, I, I sort of relished it, I think. And uh, I think they put me through the, the grinders and I came out and they thought, yeah, it'll do for me kind of thing. And I think that's why um, I sort of earned the respect from them. And uh, even at a young age, I think they knew there was something there and they kind of liked it, I think. So, um, but you, you grow up quickly and I, I got some great, I had some great friendships straight away with, again, older people, I think. Growing up with older people and my brother and his older, older friends, I'm still friends with them now. Um, struck up some really good um, relationships with Mark Jules, who's um, working at the PFA now, played in the semi-final. Uh, we, we, he signed from um, Scarborough, I think it was at the same time, and we just became good friends and travelled in together and things from Sheffield. So I just, I just became part of it. I was almost, uh, I suppose I was quite grown up for my age, I suppose, maybe. After that Chesterfield Cup run you got, Southampton came in for you and paid about 750 grand, which is back in the days was 750 grand, is quite a lot of money. Yeah. And that went well, and then you went to Blackburn for seven and a half million, mm. and then the wheels started to come off. Yeah. What, was that the price tag, or what, what, why didn't that work out for you? I think it was a couple of things. I think um, the first, well, I went to Southampton the first um, half of the season, I was on, on fire, 20 years old. 21 years old in that first season, um, scoring all kinds of goals. Um, you know, get caught up to the 21 squad. Played a month, goal a month, and I was just again. It was 
I remember Sorry, getting... I glossed over all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I remember getting the call from... Yeah, I was always... You know, there's always rumours about scouts coming to Chesterfield and watching loads of clubs and stuff, and I got the call. I remember going down there and Graham Soonis doing the deal on the day and I was excited by it. And I, I spent a week training with them. I think because we finished early, they had another week to go. And I just loved it. I loved Matt Letizia, people like that playing. I, I thought, this is for me kind of thing. I can do this. I don't feel out of place. Um, and I had a, the first half of the season, again, had a great pre-season, got my chance and... I think I scored 10, 11, 12 goals in the first half, and then I took a, I scored the winner against Man United at the Dell, and I picked up a, a bad injury. Uh, it wasn't a bad tackle from Dennis Irwin, um, sort of ligament damage. But because I, I, I was doing so well, I got rushed back, and I remember going to Anfield and did it again. I should have been out for. I, I found it after I could have been out for up to 12 weeks. I came back within a couple of weeks, um, made it worse, and didn't come back again till I think it was March, April time. Then I gashed my knee open out for another four weeks, so it was kind of, I was doing so well, and I, you know, I did get the move to, to Blackburn for big money, you think, right, it's, it's uh, um, they just won the league a couple of uh, seasons before, Rodstrom was the manager, some great players, Chris Sutton, people like that, um, but just, I don't know, just from day one, I never really settled there, I didn't, went from a, a brilliant, I've had a brilliant time at Chesterfield with the squad, Southampton, great squad, and went into Blackburn dressing room, and I found it really, um, it, it felt different, and there's quite a lot of fractions in there. And I didn't, I didn't particularly enjoy it. I wasn't enjoying it. Um, and I'd had the injury, I was recovering from that, coming back, the price tag. I was only sort of 22 years old as well. Um, I found myself travelling back to Sheffield a lot. I just didn't enjoy, I, I just didn't settle there. And I think sometimes you get that in football. Um, I gave it my best shot. I had a few issues with my throat and there's a lot of strikers there, competition. I just, it just didn't work out. Um, and he scored a couple of goals, but I didn't play an awful lot of games. Um, Rodgerson lost his job, Brian Kidd came in and uh, he, he was great towards, towards the start, the, well during the, the second season he knew I wasn't happy, they were interested in, in Austinstad. I think we'd been away on the same sort of tour with Southampton and Dave Jones and, and Brian Kidd had a discussion and he said do you want to go back and I said yeah and I went down the same day um, and, and went back to Southampton and signed that day so it didn't work out, um, it was a lot of money and I know the Blackburn fans have Never really forgiven me for that, but I did have a seven-year contract there, and I could have just sat, you know, sat around and, and been paid. Yeah, and refused to go. But it didn't work out, and uh, you know, I moved on. I didn't, you know, stick around and try and drag out the contract. And it was a very good contract, but I wasn't happy, and uh, money wasn't the be-all and end-all for me. It's about being happy and playing football. So I took the decision to, to go out to Hampton. And yeah. um, when you went back that didn't go so well either and it, I wouldn't say it, it, it sort of became common knowledge you weren't doing well here's this guy he's got this big move and his, his career is in the nose like you ended up in on loan at Millwall yeah. um, how, how worried were you at this point like God, is this you know how concerned were you about your future, what, what had gone wrong? I wouldn't say I was, I was worried. I was still only 25, 26, and I think that's still, I think you're still very mature at that age. As a, as a man, and certainly as a football player, I don't think you're mature. Obviously, you'd be in a position now until you get into your 30s, late 20s. Um, but again, I went back to Southampton, Dave Jones was there, and I had a fantastic relationship with him. He lost his job. Um, Glenn Hoddle came in. I played quite a lot under Glenn Hoddle. Um, he went to Tottenham, and then obviously Gordon Strachan came in, um, and then it just didn't. We, I don't know. From day one, it, it just didn't work for me really. Um, I, I think I only played two games for the rest of my contract. 
Um, so he clearly didn't uh, fancy me as a player. And I think um, coming into the last sort of six months of my contract, I wasn't playing. I, I remember one training session on the pitch, we were playing for a game and it was the first team and you're doing a bit of shadow play against the sort of over 11 players, the reserves really. And I didn't get in that side. So I remember sitting and standing with a couple of the lads thinking, I'm not nowhere near the first team, I can't get in the reserve team. You know, it's not, I need to do something about it. So I spoke to my agent and said, look, I need to get out playing. I actually had a chance to go to Sheffield United, but at the time I think they were struggling a bit. Um, and then Millwall came in and um, decided to go there because they were doing well at the time. And uh, just for the, the fact to go out and play some games, get some fitness, um, try and show people what I can do. And I scored, I think I scored three goals in six games. And then I got left out of that squad or put on the bench. And I said, I'm not coming here to sit around. Mark McGee was the manager. We had some good players there at the time, you know, Dennis uh, Wise and, and Glenn Johnson, people like that. Um, and I said, I'm not coming here to, to, to sit. I think I've done pretty well. I've, and then I decided, went back to Sampton and I said, I'm, they're on the cup run, uh, worked hard, playing in the reserve, scoring goals, trying to get into the first team, got on the bench, uh, scored a late sort of equaliser against Millwall in the cup when they went on to the cup final that year. Um, but I still knew I was, I was fighting to not get a contract there, but to get in and... and and get away and I got left out of the cup final at the end of that and then Gordon Strachan obviously said to me on the way home um, look we can't offer you anything which I knew already and then it was a kind of go away have a summer and uh, got the call from my agent to to go to Bolton and uh, we know what happened after that really so I wasn't worried I always felt I could do it at that level I just felt sometimes a manager comes in um, doesn't fancy and that happens quite a lot in football um, but even under Dave Jones and Glenn Oval, I didn't quite get to those heights, as you were saying, in the first period. Um, but I remember Dave Jones saying when I went back there, I was obviously lacking a lot of confidence and a bit low. Um, it took me a while to get going again, really, but um, obviously that changed when I went to Bolton, I think. Yeah, I mean, everyone envies the, the football or lifestyle and all that, but it must get pretty depressing if you know you're not wanted by a particular manager, you're not part of his plans, or is it just a something you treat as well that's just the way it is and, and you go elsewhere if I if I if I could change things now I probably would I think I think some of my behavior back then was immature and you know I remember being sat in the dressing room looking around at the the other strikers thinking you know James Beatty was there he was doing really well he was probably in the best form of his life scoring his 20 odd goals goals from it all over the place no problems with that but I looked at the other strikers there and I thought I know I'm better than them and uh, the manager wasn't getting the best out of me, wasn't uh, treating me right and that made me in turn sort of rebel a little bit I think and uh, I remember him naming squads and some strikers going ahead of me and I thought even if I've had a good week's training and done all the right things I still wasn't getting in so eventually you think it gets to the point where you, you know your face doesn't fit and no matter what you do um, you're not going to play and I felt that was the case even though it's 25, 26 years old and I remember naming squads and then just being so immature and getting in my car and just driving away from the stadium. Whereas, obviously now, I would never dream of doing that. You stay and support your players and the teammate and, and wish them well and stuff. And I was just uh, quite immature um, in doing things like that. Maybe the manager saw that side of me and thought, you know, I'll, I'll keep him away from it. I, I, I don't know. Um, but I'd certainly do things a little bit differently. But I felt um, it was a little bit of both. The manager not quite fancy me and eventually me just giving up, really. And... and uh, and not being involved, I was training with the reserves a lot, and um, it took that point. I think when I, I wasn't anywhere near the reserve team to, to make that decision to, to go out on loan. So, and so then you, the relationship began with Bolton. You 
you had a trial with them, yeah. uh, Big Sam, you had to go and, and sort of prove your worth. Mm-hmm. Is that something that feels kind of demeaning or were you happy to do it? No, it's, it's a challenge, isn't it? I always <laughs> love a challenge and people... Uh... Well, I, I'd imagine there are some players who would consider it beneath them. No, I don't think so. I think um, no matter where you are in your life, you find yourself at, at different periods in your life, some, up, some, some good, some bad. Uh, but yeah, I've always had that belief that I can perform at the highest level. And I remember leaving Southampton. I, had, I, I loved living down there for three and a half, four years, whatever it was. Great friends, still got friends, um, you know, like Matt Letiz and some close friends that I, I sort of grew up with and lived with down that area. So um, I, I'm not, I've never, I've never been one to hold grudges as well. I just, you respect people's decisions and you, and you move on and um, that's part of life. But. Um, yeah, I remember going away and um, I just met um, my wife now, Emma, around the same time and uh, just went, I think I took my parents to Vegas because my parents were both um, sort of diagnosed with cancer terminally, so it wasn't a great period for, for me in that, that time as well as the football. I was having to go home and deal with my parents as well, so I took them to Vegas for a, kind of a final holiday as well. Um, and then it was kind of got the call to, to that Bolton were interested and you know, I've not played a lot of football in a year and a half. I was probably, I'm guessing, eight, nine, ten kilos overweight, especially after coming back from Las Vegas. <laughs> and uh, I remember being in Vegas and we booked this uh, flight on one of the helicopters and um, I was taking my, my dad was deaf and we were sort of on there telling him what to do and he said, get on the scales. And I remember having, you have to get weight on the helicopter and I remember getting on there and I was like 101 kilos or something. I was like, what? It kind of, I think that was one of those moments as well where you think, whew. You know, I've, I've let myself go a little bit here, yeah? and um, obviously not playing, and I wouldn't say I was living the right lifestyle. I was probably going out a little bit too much because I kind of just I was seeing out the rest of my contract. I come back from Millwall, still wasn't involved, and it was kind of one of those. That's where I was, um, but that was probably one of those moments where I think, well, when I come back, and then it is one of those periods again, like being in the park at 16. I've worked so hard before I went and joined Bolton. Um, you know, again running two or three times a day, bike runs, hill runs, all that. I remember taking my younger brother, who's 10 years younger, because um, he was just sort of coming into that age where he was getting ready to sign for Chesterfield. So we were sort of doing a pre-season together. Um, and then it was me, I met up with, uh, with Bolton, we flew to, to Bormio in Italy and just had an intense pre-season. And it was kind of, again, we'll, we'll show them um, that I can do it, show them what I am worth. Um, and I was on the, the no carbs, and, the Atkins diet, you know, burning fat and uh, works. I mean, it was, it was intense. I mean, it was up at seven doing 30, 40 kilometer bike rides, back in a bit of eggs, a bit of cheese, whatever, and then back out doing the full pre-season with the lads and then evening sessions. And it was a proper crash course really. And it was, I, everything that was asked me, I did more of and I did more of. So the runs, I did, I did a bit extra. And that's what you have to do. That's what I had to do. And I impressed obviously Sam and Phil Brown and, and the fitness people. Um, and I remember him pulling me in and saying, we're going to give you a year with a year's option. And I played, um, I made my debut at Old Trafford and I played every game that year, player of the year, got to the cup final and things like that. We finished, I think, top sort of 10-8 or something. So it was a, a good sort of re- response and response from myself, I think, yeah. yeah. Big Sam, right, he gets a lot of stick. When he wins a game, he, he does a big solo on his own trumpet, which probably <laughs> doesn't do him too many favours. If he loses a game... It's every, you know everyone else's fault but his, and he he talked you know he made the comments about Allardici and and 
uh, him being one of the most sophisticated managers in the world. What is he like as a manager, in your opinion? I think um, I, I can't say enough good things about him. Obviously, it's, it's not. It was a case of him. He's got. He has. He has a thing for bringing players off the scrap heap or yeah. people that have lost their way a little bit. Or he, yeah, he's got that reputation for sort of getting players' careers going again. So I have a lot to thank him for for giving me that opportunity, and I took it and I worked hard, and you know he benefited from it, and I certainly did in terms of getting my career back on track. But he's one of those. Uh, he's one of those guys that you want to play for, and he gets the best out of you. He knows uh, when to give you a rocket, when to when to put his arm around you, and I think. The players that have played for him, there'll always be players that have not been involved or have, have not will have an excuse, probably like I did at Southampton, for not playing. Um, but I think the, the vast majority of players that have played under him will not have a bad word to say about him. He just, he has a way, he has a way. And like I say about the science things, he had a mass, I mean, his, his backroom staff was huge. He had some of the best people working in departments from around the world. You know, we had Japanese people and uh, Chinese people doing all the... Um, uh, where they put the needles in the acupuncture, and we had, we had, we had, I mean, the team photo at the start of the year was 20, 25 lads. The staff was like 30. Yeah. You'd never see anything like it. I mean, look at Preston now, we've probably got five or six staff. Um, but it was huge, and it was, he, he was saying it the other day, wasn't he, about him trying to not leave any stone unturned, trying to gain that extra sort of 1% here and there. And, and they add up, and we had some wonderful staff working for us, and all these staff now have left Bolton, the majority, pretty much all of them. And they're all you like in Man City and Chelsea. That's how good they were. Some in New York working in the in the basketball teams. They were that good, um, and he, he he got them all in. And he created an environment. We had 18, 19, 20 different nationalities at one time playing. And the club made you feel part of the club, and the families felt part of the family. And you know, we we had young kids, and you know you get flowers on the birthdays, and there was lots of um, socialising where everyone felt together. And um, it was. Uh, the players that came in settled really quickly. And it just created the atmosphere where you worked extremely hard for him. You had that respect for him. You knew if you crossed the line, he'd come down on you. It didn't roll with fear. It was a fun place to go and work, but you worked hard. And uh, it was no surprise, really, that we went on and obviously qualified for Europe a couple of times. And we were knocking on the door at Champions League at one stage. And if, if I certainly go into managing, I'll certainly take a lot from, from him and how he manages players. And I know he comes under criticism for particularly the West Ham fans now, but you, you do have to be careful what you wish for, you believe me, you do. You talk about the West Ham way and he has changed a bit this year when it was all going well. You know, it's like in football, the fans will get behind you, lose a couple of games and suddenly people start spreading the speculation and, and things. But um, I think, uh, had he been given time at Newcastle and, and Blackburn, he'd, he'd have done a, bit, a, a good job there. I still believe that. And that's just my experience of working under him. So. Mm. And when he had all those, you know, that huge backroom staff what did the Bolton overlords sort of who were having to pay all these people what did they think of you know I wanted an acupuncturist I want you know whatever else there was also there was cryotherapy chambers that got installed I think they were sort of half a million pound and we, we used to, and to be honest you look at Big Sam he seems quite old school and Phil Brown as well yeah. another guy who seems quite old but these were their innovations yeah yeah, yeah. and like I said we had people that he would send to all the top sort of sports facilities, particularly America, um, into Asia and places like that, and they would they would come and they would be part of our squad. And it it, it was, you know, we'd win together and we'd we'd socialise together, and the players and the staff all mixed as one. And you know, you come in on a Monday morning, there'd be stories about the weekend, and 
having a laugh. And I think sometimes you, you, you know, some managers can, you can be the staff and the players and it can be that, you know, there's, there's no sort of crossing over. We had trips to Dubai where we'd all, he's quite, he loves a little trip away and, you know, in, in, in sort of January, February time, it's all about team bonding and bringing you all together. And you um, just had that knack of, of getting everyone working extremely hard for each other. And with all the expertise around it, it worked and it worked. And I don't think anyone, the, the, the owner or the chairman at, at Bolton would have had any complaints at that time because it was the best period in, in, their, in their history. You know, getting to Europe twice and getting to a cup final, consistently finishing in the top, the top eight um, of the Premier League. It's, for, for Bolton, it was some achievement, but he had a knack of bringing in some of the players as well. Look at the players he, he sort of, Managed to, to get you know, Ivan Campo and Joe KF and JJ Kocha Stelios. Jufi uh, is another player who was one of those players that lost, went for a big move and he got in. Um, and he managed to, to, to galvanise them and get the best out of them. And we had some great players in there. We had some workhorses, the flair, um, the experience. You know, Fernando Hierro comes for six months and think, and Elka. I mean, there were some fantastic players. and. I'm trying to arrange my testimony now. I'm trying to get more back in because it was that it was that good. And the Bolton fans now, obviously, uh, looking where they are and where they've been the last couple of years, reflect on that as the best period for for a long time in Bolton's history. I think. Who were the best three players you played with at Bolton? Because you had, as you you listed them all off there, but and then there may be others who yeah, you haven't. I think, um, JJ was. I mean, I remember the first sort of week training and just playing in the games, trying to close him down. I didn't even see where the ball was. It was ridiculous. And he was like, where's he gone? Where's the ball? And he was just like, and he just sort of, had a, he wasn't arrogant about it. He just had a laugh and a joke tapped me on the back. And again, you'd be, I used to play snooker with him. And you think what these guys have done and who they've played for. And then suddenly at Bolton, they were just, they loved it. And they still love the club now. And it's quite, I found that quite, not amazing, because I knew what we created. You kind of create that bond. Um, so it doesn't surprise me like they all, so looking forward to coming back and playing in my testimonial. Um, but it's hard to say three. I think Campo. I mean, again, he's just a guy with a big hair and his uh, the way he played. He was again not only with the great players, but, he, but Sam. It was quite important to Sam that he brought the right character in as well. It wasn't about. I think he did his research on the character of the person because he didn't want anything to sort of disrupt what was going on in the dressing room. And I think the biggest gamble with that was Nicholas and Elka. But he was he was not a problem. Um, what about Juffy? Jufi, he will tell you he's number one. There's no doubt about that. He's the best player that, that ever went. In terms I, of, I meant in terms of character. Yeah, again, um, he was technically up there. It wasn't, I wouldn't say he was much behind uh, JJ Kocha in terms of his ability. And it's something that, you, I don't know if you're born with it or, or something, he just seemed to have that natural ability and Jufi had that. Um, and I think if he, he'd have had the, the temperament of, and, of some of these top players, he would have, he would have, he would have made it at Liverpool. He would have gone on from Bolton and done what an Elk did, moved to Chelsea or Gary Cahill. He had that, if he had that uh, that mindset, he would have gone on and played in a, in a top team in, in the Premier League or Europe. Um, there's no doubt, and he did it. He did it for us without being the best professional in my eye, and still performed at a really good level. But if he wanted to to, to carry on with that ability, and you've got the professionalism with it, he would have. Um, he would have played consistently in, in, in a top team in, in Europe, no doubt about that. But as in the dressing room, he was fantastic. He was a character, and you need those characters. And uh, towards uh, there was those moments where he 
when, particularly with fire mitigation, his professionalism wasn't great. And I think I was around Kevin Nolan, myself, people like Campo, we tried to, 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 to reel him in a little bit. How, how do you go about doing that, reining in El Hadji Juf? It was tough, it was <laughs> tough. I know, I remember we, we called the meeting because we, we, we had that strong address room. We said, Jufi, come on, you need to, we, there's five, six games to go, we, we need you. So is this because he's been a bit of a party boy? And, a little bit, yeah, he's yeah. got that. I won't say he's a massive drinker, but he, he liked to, to socialise and things. Um, but when you're, you're fighting relegation, you, you, can't have, you can't have that going on, really. Because it, it, can, it, can, it can disrupt the dressing room, I know it can. Um, and it, you can't have 24, 25 players giving their all and you know, playing with broken hands and smashed up fingers and things, trying to get us out with the Maya and someone's not quite doing it. Even though he felt he could still be better than anyone else, doing what he did and how he, how he prepared as a footballer, it, you can't, it's not acceptable really. There's too much at stake for, for my livelihood, my family's livelihood to stay in the league and you can't have someone doing that in my eye. And again, I was probably guilty of myself for doing that at 24, 25, 26, or whenever it was, towards the end of my Southampton career. And again, that's just down to maturity, I think. But again, he's where he is now. He's, he's, he's not gone to the top. He's, he's gone where he is now, where he is. I think he's in Malaysia or somewhere, I don't know. Um, but again, my wife's still friends with his, uh, with his wife, and. You know, I love seeing him about, and I think if you're one of those persons who come and see him, you think, Whew, he does talk about himself an awful lot, but he's, he, he's not a bad person. He's just enjoy, he just loves life and he enjoys life sometimes a bit too much. So when you, for want of a better phrase, sort of gang up on him and say, come on, you, you need to wind your neck in a bit, and what kind of reaction does he just tell you to fuck off, or? It was kind he... of, uh, I'm do what I'm doing, I'm still the best player um, in this dressing room. Right. Kind of standing on one leg type of attitude. Um, and when you've got people like Hierro in there and, and Elka and, and Campos who have gone on and you know, won some of the best honours in, in football, um, I don't think he took part in any more first-team action for, for the rest of them's games because you can't, you know, the manager finds out about things like that. It's not acceptable. You can't have it when you need everyone together, particularly when you're either trying to get in Europe or stay in the league. It doesn't matter. It's, it's important to, to, to us as individuals. Um, to, to have that, um, so I don't think he played any further part that season, um, and you know we we missed the player, but we, we stayed up, so it's probably the right season in the end. When you got the Bolton captaincy, was was that an honour, or is it a you know not that much of a big deal? Massive, yeah. I mean, it was a bit of a shock when Kevin Nolan went. I think I don't know if it was on deadline day or towards the end of one of the windows. Uh, Gary Megson was in charge, and uh, like I say, Kevin Nolan was a fantastic captain for someone. Obviously, a bit younger than me. He was uh, one of those who was a bit old before his time, very mature, um, great captain. So when he left, it was a, a surprise to everyone. Um, but he, he can never really be surprised in football. So uh, I remember Gary Megson just saying one training session, I think, do you, do you fancy it kind of thing? I said, yeah, I do. Um, so I was, I was proud. I think I was at the right age for it. Um, I guess it was over to the way I performed on the pitch and there's different kind of captains and uh, I remember the first game I think I scored a couple of goals against Spurs, a late winner and just sort of went over to the fans sort of tapping the arm and I think I remember it quite clearly and they were just very proud and I think I'd the next sort of four and a half, five years being captain and it, you know I'm, I'm a pretty quiet person off the pitch and pretty calm, I like to do my talking on the pitch and you, you get different players who say all the right things before the game, you know, come on, let's 
do this and work hard and back each other up and stuff. And I think you have to do your talking out on the pitch and lead by example on and off the pitch. And um, I think I was at the right age to, to do all that, the, all, the extra responsibilities. And the captaincies, it's not like a cricket, you know, you've got you deciding tactics and teams and all that kind of stuff. So I've been hearing debates and all that. It's more of a, a role where you, you oversee things within the dressing room and you're a go-between between the manager. And um, I enjoyed that role, anything um, I felt wasn't right in the dressing room, I'd be more than happy to sit them down and call a meeting. Any complaints about the training, the travelling, it's anyway resorts aren't going well. You call these kind of meetings and then you go back to the manager and say, can we possibly look at this, they're not happy with that. Um, the extra media stuff you do um, and that kind of stuff. So I just, I just fell into the role and I, I loved it, to be honest, yeah. And playing for England, you have one cap uh, against Montenegro yeah. at Wembley. Yeah. How was that? Amazing. I mean, you were 33. Yeah. Old, yeah. Debut. Yeah. I mean, I, over the, the 10 years prior to that, I'd been hitting patches of form. I think there was a season with Gary Megson, I was sort of one of the top scoring Englishmen going into sort of February, March time, I think it was. Um, on a lot of the long squads, the standby squads. Um, remember, there was the trip to America where I think they took like Peter Crouch and players like that. Um, so, so the sort of late 20s, I was playing really well. Was it an unfashionable club I was playing for stopping me? I don't know. I think I was one of the better target mans around that period. Um, but it just never quite happened. Um, so to get the call at 33, obviously, I thought it was a bit of a wind-up and things. <laughs> and I think I was sat over there, actually, when I took the call. And it was a lady from the secretary saying, you've been called up and report, blah, blah, blah. And I was sort of sat there for a bit, and my wife came in from there. Who's that? Who's that? I said, oh, it's the FA. I've just been called up to the England squad. And it was obviously a lot of tears from... Emma and uh, <laughs> and yourself. It was. Uh, I was think I was in shock. Right. I think I was in shock. And it, with football opportunities come, there's a few injuries. Um, you never wish an injury upon anyone, but that's the, the case in football. In, in your, within your team, you play for and nationally, you get an opportunity normally through injuries, suspension. And I uh, got that opportunity. And I loved the whole week. I loved the moment I went down reporting, the training sessions, uh, being around some of those players um, and obviously walking into the, the dressing room on the day, seeing my shirt hung up. It was quite, uh, quite an emotional time, I think. It was uh, something I desperately wanted, but without you know, publicly saying it. Um, I'm very proud and uh, it was a proud moment for me and my children. I remember them ringing me saying, what number are you? Cause want, we took a lorry loader fans from around here, down, friends, family. As you can imagine, it was a, a big occasion for everyone. And uh, to, to get on the pitch and get the cap um, was, was fantastic. And I thought, I, during the, the week, I felt I held my own. I felt I held my own in the training sessions. I didn't feel out of place. Um, obviously, with Fabio Capello, he'd seen enough to put me on for the 20, 25 minutes. I've not actually seen the game back. Um, <laughs> I've never not been one, one for... One good chance, as I recall. I think there was one where there's a picture. <laughs> Yeah, that was a chance, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think little things, a chance. There was a chance, I think, where I've gone, I think the goalkeeper just beat me to it. And I think, you know, those are those little things. If, if I get there first, I score. And then you never know, you might go on and get another few caps. You might, who knows, end up at the World Cup. If I'd not been challenged by Dennis Irwin. I had this before we played Man United um, in the Cup recently. I never said it was a bad tackle, but if that tackle doesn't happen, I go on maybe score 15, 18, 20 goals for Southampton. And I think Michael Owen that year went to the World Cup and did what he did that year. And that could have, that could have been me, who knows? But 
it, it wasn't. Sliding I, doors. No, no, it's, there's, there are little things and little paths change your career, but if I, if I look back on the whole of it, um, that England was the pinnacle, being one of the best 10-11 players in the country. I, I don't think it gets much better than that, really. Um, you're at Preston now. How, how long are you going to go on? you what, 38 this month, is it? 38 in uh, 26, yeah, 26 March, yeah. Um, I don't know, I don't know. We're in a great position. Uh, I've managed to play a few games lately. Uh, so I'm really enjoying it. We've got, again, we've got a really good team spirit, a good manager. The club's certainly built for the championship and I think somewhere down the line, I think we'll see him back in the Premier League, I really do. Um, in terms of me, I, I don't know. I feel physically I can do everything that's still asked of me. Do you want to? Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. Again, it depends. I know you're doing media work now. You do yeah, yeah, of course you have to look. Yeah, I'm, I mean... And you're pretty, pretty good at it without wanting to blow sunshine. I, I'm giving it a go. I'm giving it a go. It's again, I'm on my A-licence, so I've nearly got that in the bag. And it's a, watching games in Europe. It's all about learning still the coaching side. It's, it's good for me to do the media and watch things and look at players. Look at the way different countries play. It's all sort of learning for, the, obviously, the inevitable. Um, the media work or coaching, managing. One week I'm desperate to be a manager. The other week I think, there's been three seconds this week. <laughs> I'm going to be a number two. Um, and then, well, I just, I enjoy doing the coaching. With a, I'm, I'm working with a local league in Bolton. As a patron, we're, you know, pushing summer football, futsal. I enjoy doing all that and, and, and sort of giving back um, to, to, to this area. Um, so I'm really busy. I'm busy with the football and doing all these other things. And um, I honestly don't know. I, I feel at the minute I can play for another year. If Preston get promoted and they offer me something, I, I, would, I would take it. But I have no idea. There's been no talk of any contracts because of where we are and there's a lot of Preston players out of contract. I don't know if they offer me something. I, I would certainly consider it and, and play on next year, hopefully in the Championship. But if they don't, I'll look at any other offers um, in England or, or abroad, maybe. Um, that's how I'm feeling today. I'm, next week it might be different. Um, but I'll, I'll wait and see uh, what happens. I'm, I feel, I think when you get into your 30s, you're always looking for that contract, that one, two year contract. Yeah. A bit of security, and that's just natural. Um, but this is the, probably the, the, the first time for a long time when I left Bolton. That was a tough period because I had. Na maybe naively thought I was going to finish my career there and, and whatnot. Again, another manager comes in, doesn't fancy you, fine, you, you, you sometimes get caught up in that. Um, but I've been fortunate enough to play for Preston now and like I say, I'm loving it. I, I think they all respect me there, the manager, the owner, Peter Isdale, people like that. I, I'm, I'm enjoying my time there and hopefully that something will happen, I can get another year. But if it doesn't, then you, know, you move on and see what else comes in. But. Um, I'm just enjoying it. I mean, we're doing well at the minute. We've just gone into second place, so uh, hopefully we can we can finish the season strongly. But um, I'll see what happens and see what offers come in. If it's the media offer me a fantastic opportunity, and I don't get a, an opportunity in, with a team that it has to be a team that interests me, then I'll have, I'll have decisions to make. If a, a manager vacancy become available and they got in touch, then whew, you know that'd be another option. But at the minute, I'll see out the rest of the season and uh, see what happens. Okay. Well, I'm being told to wind things up now, so we'll, we'll end on that. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, is that the first interview you've ever done where your record for fouling hasn't been posed as a question? I was for that one. But no, I thought I'd let it. The most foul. <laughs> <laughs> I think the background has been covered. <laughs> yeah.